welcome to Conversations on the Front Porch with Leslie Cordy. Uh, we are lucky to have with us this morning uh, Dr. Matt Simonou. Is that how you say your name, Matt? Simono. Simono. Yes. See? So I'm learning something again this morning. It's a beautiful name. Um, he is the Associate Professor in Career and Tech Education over at the University of Wisconsin Stout. And um, he's got a great background in terms of uh, the trade industry, uh, construction programs, and uh, also inspections technology. So welcome, Matt. Thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So you told me that you might want to talk to us about online learning this morning, and um, I'm excited to hear that you have a project related to online learning and some scholarships. So maybe we'll start right there. Yeah, so at the University of Wisconsin Stout, we have what's called the Nakatani Center for Teaching and Learning, which was an actual endowment uh, from the parents of a student that had died. Within that structure, we have what's called Scholarship of Teaching and Learning Teams or SOTL Teams. And our team uh, this fall started looking at barriers to online learning with our predominantly adult online population. Okay. Um, and as I kind of go through this, I'll have to uh, preface it with this, this research was pre-COVID. So things have changed a little bit uh, since our campus went all online uh, six weeks ago already. Um, so I'll just kind of run through some of the some of the stats of what we found and we actually went into this thinking that our um, students were having barriers to online learning because of broadband or computer issues and what we actually found was that 95% um, of our students 95.3% of our students actually said that they have the proper uh, broadband to actually um, learn online and so that was kind of our first hurdle. Wow. Uh, so they, we thought maybe it was the, the internet, right? And it wasn't. Yep, it had nothing to do with access. And, and like I said, that's, we first went into this thinking, they, it's a broadband issue, it's a technology issue. Mm -hmm. uh, like 99% of our students use a laptop and a few use devices. And I think maybe one um, uses their phone. Uh, it was, was kind of an anomaly, but I think we had an end size of about 260 for this study. Okay, very good. Yeah, across three different programs. Um, my program, Human uh, Development and Family Studies, HDFS, and then our, our um, management program. Okay, all right. Um, so let me go back to this um, SOTL or SOTL um, Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. That's based on Boyer's Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. Yep. And why, why did you choose that framework, do you think? It's a study. They really encourage faculty to take an active role in uh, creating a group, a diverse group, and then looking at a specific problem that goes across is common to those those different groups. Okay, that's really great because uh, that's one of the areas that I'm interested in, and I think that that's a really important area in terms of faculty development, right? Looking yes. at, looking at your programs, looking at how your teaching strategies engage the learner. Yep. So what else did you learn, Matt? So average age ages in our programs, my program is in their 40s, uh, the Career Technical Education Training Program. The other programs, the average age was about 35. So again, a lot of what we gear our um, marketing and, and things like that is to our 18-year-old, you know, kind of on-campus traditional freshmen. But these are all people, working professionals coming in um, with usually an associate's degree or some college credits um, and trying to balance work life, which is uh, a very difficult thing, especially now when they're home 
teaching their own children. Kids, yeah. Yep. So we asked them about their confidence with online learning technologies. That would be our LMS system. We use Canvas right now, and we just transitioned from uh, Blackboard. Okay. Uh, and about what do we have? About eighty, almost ninety percent were fairly or completely uh, com comfortable with their. Uh, with their confidence in using online learning technologies. And again, that was another barrier that we thought would be higher, that they, mm -hmm. were, um, that they were not used to, especially with the age of the population. And then uh, the, great, the greatest percentage, I'm looking at the numbers here, sorry, we had about 60% okay. um, that said they learn uh, better online or there's no difference between, they learn the same between online and on campus. So that was, that was kind of another big re revelation. Well, I've read that before, Matt, though. So when I started, uh, I'm not going to say the year, when I started my PhD, right, um, there was a study out there from, I think it was from Russell, it's called the No Significant Difference Phenomenon. And, you know, I see this in the news that students are saying, well, you know, there's a difference between online learning and face-to-face -face learning. And, and I guess, you know, this is related to the scholarship of teaching and learning. We can still engage our students in online learning. So yeah. the students found that, you know, there was really no difference in terms of their knowledge acquisition. Yeah, yep. And we, the students that we, we surveyed, um, they most of them had taken over 30 online courses already. My so, goodness. yeah, so it was, it was interesting. I, we thought, oh boy, again, they're going to tell us they don't learn better online, but this population really uh, kind of kind of proved to us that, yeah, they, they can learn online effectively. Okay. Excellent. So what, do, I mean, these are, this is so interesting, Matt. Yeah. So, you know, of course, we always look at the good, the bad, and the ugly with research. So we did ask them, what are some of the barriers? Uh, one of the biggest ones was quality instruction and uh, a had a lot to do with cor course layout, just the usability of the course. Okay. Um, organization and time management. And this is a question specifically about how they manage their time. Okay. And that was one of the biggest ones um, was um, just being able to balance work life and, and figure out how to, how to carve out some time in the week to learn. Okay. You know, that follows along with the... Um the podcast we just had a couple of days ago, Matt, that hasn't been published yet. And this had to do with the actual instructor, instructor learning how to manage their own time. So this is interesting that it maybe is correlated in terms of how the instructor lays out the course yep. or orientates the student, right, to online learning? Yep, that's, that's exactly what they told us. Um, and now that we've switched our campus to all online, we've had instructors finally realizing that you can't take a face-to-face -face class, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, and put it online. So some of the feedback we received from the students, they liked that it was kind of self-paced with some, with due dates. Right. Uh, you know, a two-week module instead of uh, synchronous chats three times a week. Um, right. Okay. You know, again, it's just knowing your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Uh, what... Um, I want to go back again to this. Uh, you thought that the the student was going to be the eighteen to twenty year old, your traditional uh, post secondary or higher ed student. It was really the old, the not the older learner, but the <laughs> non traditional learner, right? Thirties, yep. forties, because they're they're younger than me, but they're still an older learner, and you and uh, and had experience in online learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, that was another one because we make assumptions about 
technology use with, uh, I'll use mature people, uh, <laughs> such as myself, but um, surprisingly, they are, even though they're not digital natives, they really are um, adapting to it very quickly. Okay, all right. You know, and then conversely, we make assumptions about uh, iGen and the millennials about their use of technology. They love technology. They don't like it for learning, though. No, they don't. They still like that personalized learning, right? With being yep. able to touch or talk to the, not necessarily touch the instructor, I shouldn't say that, but be be in the presence of the of the instructor, right? Being yep. able to have access to that instructor, however, that in the traditional face-to-face -face environment, more or less. Yeah. So you said your programs have been online for a while now. Yeah, mine's been online. Well, I think all three of ours have been online for you. 12 years now, about 10, 12 oh, years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And this is a career in tech ed program, Matt. Yep. So my program prepares people to teach in the technical and community colleges. Okay. So your average student is someone that's coming in with either a technical diploma or an associate's degree in welding or dental hygiene, and then they get the pedagogy courses for us, uh, from us and then teach in the technical colleges. And so how do you transition that? Because they actually do go into the, in most cases, the face-to-face -face environment. So what are some of those course design tricks that you use in terms of the layout of your classes? So with the pedagogy courses, we have like teaching methods, uh, which is interesting because, you know, in any given class, um, you might have like 10 different disciplines represented, you know, everything from phlebotomists to welders to mechanics. And it's amazing the commonalities that they all have. Okay. We make assumptions that teaching in, in a uh, auto shop is going to be different than teaching in a um, dental hygiene lab. And they're, they're more similar than they're different. Right, right. I, I love that. I love that. I think, uh, and so, but they're, they're very receptive to, to the use of technologies. Yep. And so, for example, in our teaching methods class, they actually have to, uh, I, don't, I use the word videotape, but they have to record themselves uh, teaching a lesson. And one of the things we kind of pride ourselves on with these courses is we, we call, we use what's called discipline-focused curriculum. Okay. So when you take a class like course construction, you're actually developing courses within your discipline. Okay. So there's no hypothetical, um, you know, create a lesson on baking a cake. You know, it's create a lesson on changing breaks or uh, okay. things like okay, that. Okay, so they actually... Right. It's not a, a simulation yep. or a topic that they're interested in. It's an actual topic that they will teach. So this is very, very user-friendly in terms of how to, to use it in the real world then too. Yep. Yeah. Like I just, in the, I'm teaching course construction right now. We had a dental hygiene student who created a course called uh, Medical Emergencies in the Dental uh, dental Office. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so that's actually a practical thing. And if even if it doesn't get in the curriculum, it still makes a good training for uh, for people working in a dental office. Oh, absolutely! It gives that real world example, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, and then and then they share those. Do they share those lessons with one another, uh, Matt? Yeah. So they have. Um, we, we do peer reviews, but I I don't lay a lot of points on them because you know there's always personalities. Right. Um, so they're actually given a sheet, kind of a checklist on what to look for in the lesson. Yes different things, you know, lesson cycle, um, you know, assessment. Yeah. Okay. I've done that too. I think that peer review is really good in terms of learning. And I've had a positive response the past 
a couple semesters that I've implemented with that checklist more as a, a rubric, right? Right. Not, not, not necessarily a grade, but here's what you did well. Here's where you need to improve. Right. Right. Well, what else did you find out from the study? And I'm hoping that you've published it too. Uh, we are looking to publish it. Yep. We're working on that now as we're kind of wrapping, um, uh, wrapping up our findings. So some of the other big things we found uh, from our students was um, what we we're doing well was there was quality instruction and what they're really looking for is simplicity in the courses. Mm -hmm. Things laid out and we heard this, you know, 100% of the time, clear due dates that don't change because they like to uh, get a planner and plan out their semester when all the assignments are due. So they don't like surprises. That was um, that was a good a good tip for us faculty as well. Okay. Is to create a schedule, even though their schedule is built into Canvas, create something tangible they can print out and Okay, fill so in there. a hard copy of it and keeping track of it. Even yep. though there are maybe something like this that came up where we make some changes, it's the idea that they can can see it and, and touch it and feel it. <laughs> yep, yep. And then they know exactly that assignment number six is going to be due on May 8th. Okay, that's yeah. great. So do you have... A, uh, have you had a background in instructional design or do you have a template that you all use at, at Stout or, or is it a little bit more flexible than that? A little bit more flexible, but my, my degrees are actually in education, so. Um, okay, so you have a background in lesson planning and, yep. and okay, and yep. K, more K-12, but, but that's where it comes from? No, my, my, I've always had like a, a focus on adult uh, education, workforce education, career technical education. Okay, so. so career and tech ed really does have a focus in on lesson planning then more yep. than, because you know, in, in terms of higher education, sometimes we're not very good in terms of knowing how to teach. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a unique part of, of what your program was about. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a, a few other things, uh, Matt, that we need to learn. I mean, these are all important things in terms of, of how we go forward because we think, right, probably a lot of us will continue to teach online and more of us will continue, mm -hmm. continue to teach online. Yep, and, the, the, and we attacked this research using student voices. So everything I'm telling you is what the students told us. Mm -hmm. um, and it, again, they keep resonating with uh, uh, building relationships, build a relationship with your students. They were very clear about which one of them actually said uh, it was apparent what teachers uh, had training in online learning, which ones didn't. Okay. And so do you want to talk about um, how you build that relationship or how some suggestions you have found that have been useful in terms of building that online presence? Yep, we actually talked, the, our students gave us a lot of good, uh, a lot of good tips that they want to see. Simple things like videos, welcoming them, them to the class. Uh, they want to see us even though we're online, so just personal right. videos. They said, uh, don't pretend that you don't make mistakes, you know, be human. Very good. Yeah, and just a static course that doesn't change, that no, no surprises. Okay, so they don't want a lot of surprise. Nope, nope. They, they <laughs> want to know exactly um, what the expectations are. They talked a lot about communication from the instructor, especially uh, non, like uh, outside of normal work hours, evenings and weekends. Okay, so yes, not the Monday through Friday, eight to five, yep. right? This is a traditional, a non-traditional adult who's balancing work 
and family. And so there are things that happen, right? Yep. Their learning is going on at night and probably on the weekend. Yep. And they want to be able to get a hold of somebody. And I know I've, I've, I teach predominantly online and, you know, I talk to students on Saturdays, Sundays. I talked to one last night at six o'clock. It's, you know, it's just the way that, the way it has to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's uh, probably one of the most important things for, for universities, I think, to think about going forward, Matt, is uh, especially those that have catered to the traditional students, mm -hmm. the Monday through Friday, eight to five, that learning doesn't happen that way, really. Right? Yep. Yeah, and as an instructor uh, online, your, your work hours are different. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's, you know, if you're going to build a relationship, uh, that's what you need to do. Well, thank you for all these points today, Matt. Are there a few ideas or something special that you'd like to leave us with as we conclude our conversation? Well, I think with all teaching and a good friend of mine, Dr. Melody Brennan, she works at, give a shout out to her, she works at Chippewa Valley Technical College in early childhood. She said, build the relationship and the curriculum will come. It doesn't matter if it's third grade, high school, or college. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for uh, sharing those tips with us. We uh, would like to see where you publish that uh, study because that's a very valuable study, even though we've had, you know, uh, an unprecedented time with this pandemic. But I think that these uh, strategies about learners, about course design, and about the flexibility and relationships with our students is very important. Yep. So I want to thank you. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. You're welcome.